We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. We're talking the 2021 rookie running back class on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome back to Rotoviz Radio. I'm Dave Cabin, senior fantasy analyst at Rotoviz, joined by Matthew Freeman of Fantasy Labs and the Action Network. We are going to talk about the 2021 class of running backs. Some interesting prospects. I love talking about running back prospects, running back classes. Matt, how ex- well, I always ask you how excited you are about things. So I'm gonna change it up this time. Um how are we feeling about this class of rookie running backs that will be coming into the league next year? It's okay. Not great. Um, yep. I don't, I don't think it stacks up all that well with last year's class. No, it definitely yeah, doesn't. So and yeah, a piece for that is Chuba Hubbard who was looking last year, like he was one that would elevate the class. And it was actually a bit of a hit to the class that he didn't um, decide to make the jump to the NFL last year is actually not living up to the hype this year. So we'll talk about him. But yeah, I mean, overall, not a class that we're going to be super enthused about. <laughs> Excuse me. Where do you want to start, Matt? You want to start with Travis Etienne or Najee Harris? Uh, let's go with Etienne. I mean, I think he's probably going to be the top runner drafted, but uh, I, I might be wrong. I mean, I guess it's, it's sort of a, just this open debate, but le- I mean, let's start with Etienne. All right. Yeah, let's start with him. I kind of do anticipate that he will be the first back off the board. I think you could maybe make a case for uh, Harris as well. But let's just run through quickly what he did, uh, ETN that is, while he was at Auburn. First season, 
766 rush yards, 13 rushing touchdowns. As a receiver, uh, only five wrecks, 57 yards. But man, as a sophomore, 204 rushing attempts, 1,658 rushing yards, 24 touchdowns, um, 12 wrecks, 78 yards. Running back dominator that year of a .61. Then, as a junior, um, 1,000. 614 yards, 19 rushing touchdowns, 7.8 yards per carry. Um, as a receiver, four receiving touchdowns, 432 yards. And then closes things off in 2020 in 12 games, 914 rush yards, 14 touchdowns, 588 receiving yards, 48 receptions, two receiving touchdowns. On his career, average 7.22 yards per carry. Um, a career dominator of 0.61. Um, total receiving yards, 1,155, eight receiving touchdowns. He is, uh, 21. I think when the season starts, he'll be 22. So he's not that old. A lot of things that people can point to for ETN. Yeah. The most impressive thing, um, I think was his receiving capabilities that we saw this past year. And, you know, we already knew he was a pretty good receiver, but he, I mean, he became an even better receiver in his final season. Um, so, I mean, 588 yards in just 12 games, like that is, uh, like that's legit uh, receiving capability. So I think he has the three down ability um, for the NFL. He's got the size, you know, like 5'10", 210 pounds. Uh, I will be curious to see how big he actually is, you know, cause like he might be like more like two Oh five. Yep. And if that's the case, then it's like, eh, you know, like uh, he, he might, like he might be two Oh five with the ability to maybe bulk up a little bit or, you know, play kind of like uh like a LaShawn McCoy type of weight and be a lead back. But there is the chance that if he's around two Oh five, uh, you know, he slips into the second round and a team thinks of him as, you know, sort of like a super change of pace back instead of a potential lead back. So I will be curious to see uh, how much he actually weighs, what his size is, because I like I think that is actually kind of like the biggest factor for his NFL future. Yeah, it's hard to disagree with that. And with just how multifaceted he proved to be, I mean, a receiving yard market share of 14 percent. Um on this Clemson team in 2020, just a super complete profile production every single year. It's hard to really make many knocks on him. I think even if he'd come out last year, arguably could have been in the conversation as the best back in the class. Um, I mean, when I think about him, I think about a player like DeAndre Swift and what we saw him do in his first season in the NFL. And I think for ETN, you know, to me, what Swift did, he should be able to do no problem. Um, it, just to give a little context, when you think of ETN in comparison to a player like Swift, who you really liked coming out of school last year, how much better do you think he is? It, it's hard to make the comparison because he improved as a receiver this year, but he still wasn't doing some of the receiving things that Swift was doing yep. in his final season. And, you know, Swift, we should remember, was a 21-year-old rookie last year. Uh, and so it's not really fair to compare what Swift was doing his final year of college with what Etienne did his final year of college. So, um, I don't know. I think they're about the same. I would still 
maybe give the edge a little bit to to Swift, okay. um, who I did really like at the time. Honestly, I feel as if I was maybe a little bit too high on him. Like, I think ETN probably has a better chance of being a lead back than Swift does. Okay. Um, why would that be? Because you think that uh, the rushing portion of his game might be a little bit better? Yeah, I think yep. that he's a little bit bigger, I think. Um, although maybe I'm wrong about that, but I think he's a little bit bigger. Um, and then part of it is I'm just a little bit skeptical on how Swift is going to be used in Detroit. Got it. Yep. And then, like you said, we're going to have to see what the weight comes out at at his pro day. We should probably also mention for anybody that has not been paying a lot of attention, this year we're not going to have a traditional combine. Players will be getting tested at their pro days. There's supposed to be things that are going to be done to make a bit more of a controlled environment so that you can do a more accurate job of comparing pro days than you otherwise would. I should also mention that last night, uh, Curtis Patrick was up late got the volume one of the DCC rookie guide all put together. I set an alarm, woke up around 3.30 this morning, rifled it off. It is a fantastic production. Um, Over 100 prospect profiles in there. Maybe not over 100, but definitely 100. A lot of good coverage on the positions, really setting the stage. Make sure you go and check that out. Let's talk now, Matt about a big-bodied Alabama running back that the last time I checked in on uh, this player with you, you had not fallen in love with him yet. Of course, that is Najee Harris. Uh, A bit of an older prospect at this point, 22.87, I believe, at the end of um, the college season. 6'2", 230. We'll see what the exact weight is. But this guy is big. He is a force on the field. Everybody saw that five-touchdown performance that he had in in the playoffs. Um, got to see what he could do at Alabama in four seasons there. Um, 370 rush yards uh, as a freshman, three rushing touchdowns. The next season stepped things up a little bit, 783 yards, four touchdowns. The big jump came in 2019 as a junior, 209 rushing attempts, 1,224 yards, 13 touchdowns. Then as a senior 1,466 rushing yards, 26 rushing touchdowns. And the other thing that I really like about Harris, Matt, is his ability as a receiver. Uh, Puts up 27 wrecks in 2019 as a junior, 304 yards, 7 receiving touchdowns, 43 wrecks for 425 yards, and 4 receiving touchdowns as a senior. To me, Harris looks like a guy that has some attributes that are like Derrick Henry, especially when you see him catch a ball in open space and just how hard it is for people to bring him down. Pretty explosive for a player of that size, but I do think he has really good hands, looks athletic, impressive production at Alabama. I think there's a lot to like. I actually might have him ranked above ETN in my final rankings, and as of today... If I'm picking between the two, I actually am going with Harris because I think that there's the potential there for a player that could be an absolute difference maker. Perhaps ETN has the better overall body of work, the better case as that three down back. But I think it's possible that Harris is really, really good that I'm going to go out on a limb and and maybe take um, what could be, as you said last time or in our last podcast talking about the, the Super Bowl props, what could be a donkey move. I actually like Harris more. When did I say I didn't like Harris? Well, um, I think I checked in with you on him, and you didn't say that you didn't like him. 
you just like weren't in in, in love with him yet. Um, that hmm. might have been maybe week fifteen ish. That's weird because that that seems uh, not my style. No, it does I normally like those those big bodied Alabama backs. I know. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I I wish I wish he'd come out last year. Um, I wish he weren't going to be a 23 year old, uh, rookie, but yeah, I mean, what he did in his final season in Alabama was incredibly impressive. And as you mentioned for him to have 43 receptions at 230 pounds, um, it's, it's very impressive. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I will, I mean, I think he's a top three guy in, in leagues that aren't super flex, you know, it's, it's gotta be, I think Harris, is up there. ETN is up there. And then, you know, it would be uh, at the wide receiver position, I think Jamar. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Harris is in the top three. It's just a question of whether you put him ahead of ETN. I think he has the higher floor in that, like, you know, he's a lead back. Maybe not right away, maybe not like in year one, but he is an eventual lead back. Like, he is drafted with the idea of this is the guy that we could build our backfield around. Um, you don't know that for sure with ETN, although I expect that would be the case. So, I, I think Harris has a higher floor. I think ETN might have a higher ceiling. Um, but I mean, I, I do like Harris quite a bit. Yeah. So, one thing I should say that factors into this a little bit too is. I really expect that Harris is going to go in and just absolutely crush the drill. So we're going to be looking at a player that has comps that you might that might include Derrick Henry, that might include AJ Dillon. But in comparison to AJ Dillon, better receiver, I would say more overall or more, um, you know, like a better player all around. And on top of that, um, probably more talented. Um, in a variety of attributes that you would want in a running back. So I, I'm super excited. We will have to wait and see, obviously, what the measurables come back like. But well, go ahead. I, I will be surprised. I will be surprised if he has Derrick Henry type of athleticism, but I might be wrong. He was a five-star recruit. So like he's he is a legit talent. Um, and normally guys, when they are entering, you know, from like high school to uh, to college to the NFL – they do, even though they gain weight, they do add speed. And Harris ran a 4.6640 as a recruit at 226 pounds. So maybe he's gotten that into the four fives. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. But if he has, then that would be really impressive. But I'm still going to be just a little bit skeptical until we actually see him tear up the drills. Okay, that, that's fair. And... In my so what I said there because I will give a little caveat. It might not be quite as impressive, but I'm assuming when you go into the combine explore and you pull up the comps, when all is said and done, you will see Derrick Henry in the list. Perhaps. Okay, I, I bet that's right, but that's probably because there aren't all that many guys who are going to be two thirty. <laughs> yeah, that probably does have something to do with it. Um, all right, I'm thinking maybe next. Uh, let's talk about the two North Carolina running backs. So you have Javante Williams. And Michael Carter, Williams 5'10", 220, Michael Carter 5'8", 202. Um, let's just start with Carter. Now, the thing that you have to keep in mind here as we're talking about these two players is their total production is largely split between the two, so it's not going to be as impressive as other players. That said, I know a lot of people that really like Javante Williams. But starting with Carter, and again, Carter is out of the two backs the smaller 
uh, or no, excuse me, the larger 5'10", 220. So as a freshman, eight rushing touchdowns, no, 500. Williams, Williams is bigger. Is he? Did I, did, I, did I read that wrong there? Williams is the bigger guy. Okay, yes. Pretty significantly bigger. Yep, yep. So it's 220 to 202 and then 5'10", to 5'8". So Williams is the bigger guy. Carter's the smaller. So Carter, eight rushing touchdowns, 558 yards as a freshman. Uh, two rushing touchdowns, 597 in 2018, his sophomore season. Then 1,003 yards, three rushing touchdowns um, as a junior closes things off in the senior season, 1,245 yards, nine rushing touchdowns, 7.9 yards per carry. As a receiver, did have 11 um, in his freshman, 11 wrecks in his freshman year, then went above 20 in the other three years of his career, finishes with 656 yards, six receiving touchdowns. Um, the other thing, too, that we should probably point out is as a freshman had a running back dominator of 0.62, the rest of his career, it was between 40 and 50. I will read off uh, Williams now, Matt, and then we can we can talk about the two because I think it's going to be hard to talk about them without um, accounting for the fact that they were yeah. both good backs and both on the same team. So um, Javante Williams, let me just pull him up here as a freshman in 2018 so that is one key difference Williams played three seasons um, as a freshman five rushing touchdowns 224 yards uh, as a sophomore five touchdowns almost 1,000 yards and then five rushing touchdowns 1,140 yards um, at 20.6 years old in his senior season had eight wrecks as a freshman 17 as a sophomore 25 as a junior on his career 546 receiving yards four rushing touchdowns career running back dominator of 0.48 fairly similar profiles matt um when you just look at the numbers and the way that things were split uh i however do prefer um williams a lot of that has to do with the size um but do you disagree yeah, I I do not disagree. Uh, I pretty significantly prefer Williams. Yep. Um, and I don't... This is like the point in the class where I think you start to have a lot of divergent opinions. Um, you know, like some people would maybe have Carter up in the top four. Uh, I know he was, you know, productive, uh, especially in his two final seasons. But I don't really... Like, I don't have him up there. Like he's, he's not, and maybe I'm just wrong. Uh, you know, we just kind of have to wait to see where he's drafted, but I'm not looking at him as a guy that I'm like wanting to get in dynasty or like, I'm hoping he gets drafted in the second or third rounds so that I'm right about him and that I have like justification for drafting him or something like that. Like I kind of don't care about him at all. Right. I actually have Carter at 11 in my running back rankings right now. So, I mean, that kind of paints the picture of where I am on him. Like you, I like Williams. You know, younger player, right? Also, um, bigger things that we'd be looking for. And there's not much in the stats to make up for the, the that gap um, when you look at Carter and Williams. And then the overall body of work, yes, Williams was there. So I get that that takes away some from Carter. But also, there's other players on this list that had talented backs playing alongside them that they held back on the depth chart. So um, for me, Carter's not that exciting. Williams is somewhat exciting, but there's still other players that I like more. Yeah, I mean, Carter was a four-star recruit. He was the higher recruited player. 
and that's not that's not insignificant. But I mean, Williams, he's bigger. Um, he was more productive, and he, I mean, like almost as good as a receiver. So I don't know. I think it's just it's pretty clear for me. I just prefer Williams, and I, I think he will probably be drafted in that like round three, round four range, maybe, maybe round two, but I think round three is probably more realistic. And from there, he has a decent chance of having some seasons as a starter. Yep. Okay. Um, let's move now to, and I'm kind of looking at a list here. I was trying to not go down my rankings the way that I have it. So this is going to be kind of random. Kenneth Gainwell, the running back out of Memphis, uh, 5'11", 191, redshirt sophomore. Um, and again, he was playing at Memphis. Uh, on his career, um, you know, some decent numbers, 130 yards per game, 39 receiving yards per game, one of the better players in the class um, in that metric. Also, one touchdown per game. I will pull up the um, full season stats, though, just because we've been doing that. Um, so... Not much to speak of in the freshman season. Didn't play in 2020, by the way, but 2019, 1,459 yards, 13 rushing touchdowns. Running back dominator of .71. Also, like I said, good receiving production. 51 wrecks, 610 yards, three uh, receiving touchdowns, receiving yards market share of 15%. So in my opinion, uh, I don't have him... In, in my mind, I'm not grouping him as one of these players that I'm going to be actively going after. But in terms of players that have receiving ability in this class, he might be the best. What do you think? Yeah, he's up there. Uh, I I like him quite a bit. Okay, uh, I think he's going to be one of the youngest in the class. I might be wrong about that, but I think he will be a 21-year-old rookie. Uh, again, do not quote me on that. Yeah, no, he will. Um, he will. But um, actually, yeah. he's... He's in as far as this class goes, not necessarily uh, one of the youngest. You have Javion Hawkins, who I love, by the way, is younger. Uh, Hubbard, Jamar Jefferson, uh, Javante Williams is younger. Michael Carter. So th- there's a number of guys. Jarrett Patterson, uh, Master well, okay, Teague. So, so is he going to be 21 as a rookie or no? Uh, I think that by the time the season starts, he'll be 22. Okay. So no. So yeah. Okay. So uh, I'm wrong there. Even even still, uh, I like him. Okay. Um. Because of his his receiving ability, uh, that is a big thing he has going for him. Um, but then he's also like a pretty good runner. And we've seen um, success for the guys coming out of Memphis. Uh, like, I don't want to like overstate it, you know, because like Antonio Gibson, I thought he had a good season, not a great season. But like we have seen guys coming out of Memphis be pretty good athletes. Yep. Um, Daryl Henderson, the other name. Yeah. Uh, Henderson and then also um, Tony Pollard. Right. Um, so I think we're going to see Gainwell test pretty well. Uh, and with his receiving ability, um, even though he's not a big guy, I think he's probably going to be a little bit bigger, like, you know, 200 pounds. Um, like, I think that will be big enough for him to be a really intriguing change of pace back. And, you know, if you can get him in the second round of drafts, uh, rookie drafts, I think that could be some value. Got it. All right, we're going to step away here for a quick reminder. What's up, Rotoviz listeners? It's Colin Kelly here, the executive producer of Rotoviz Radio and one of the co hosts of the Rotoviz Overtime Podcast. 
We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I just wanted to drop by and say thank you, as always, for listening in to another Rotoviz Radio production. As a loyal podcast listener, you can save yourself 10% off a Rotoviz NFL pass right now at rotoviz.com forward slash podcast or by simply adding the code RVRADIO2021 at checkout. That'll get you access to all of the content and tools on the Rotoviz website, the best tools and content in the business for the best listeners in the business. As always, we do appreciate you listening to each and every show. And if you do have 5, 10, 15 seconds to spare, please drop a rating for today's show on your favorite podcast app. It is much appreciated. With all that said, thank you once again for tuning in. I hope you have a great day. Now let's get back to the show. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Oh. All right, up next, Jermar Jefferson out of Oregon State. Really, really phenomenal freshman season at 18.7, 1,381 rushing yards, 12 rushing touchdowns. It's an RB dominator of .57. Also added 25 wrecks for 147 yards. As a sophomore, played nine games in 2020, played just six games. So the numbers for those seasons aren't as impressive. Uh, did put up eight rushing touchdowns in nine games in 2019, 685 yards. Uh, in 2020, seven rushing touchdowns, 858 yards, just nine wrecks in each of those two seasons following his freshman year. But I do think, in my opinion, that Jefferson's a pretty exciting player, 5'9", 215 approximately. Um, so I, I think that you could make a case that he might be in that tier that's going to fall behind Harrison, Etienne. Uh, yeah, maybe. Um, I wish he were a better receiver. And then we just kind of have to see what his athleticism looks like. Because if his athleticism is just kind of mediocre, then I think it's all about landing spot for him. And, you know, we're looking at like a, a mediocre athlete who doesn't catch the ball. Um, and, you know, where does he land? Does he have a chance to start right away? I don't know. I'm not that intrigued by him. But if he's athletic, then, yeah, I'll be, I'll be interested. But it's still, it's all dependent on where he lands. Right. Okay, um, we're going to try to go through these these other guys a little bit more quickly here. Uh, Trey Sermon, running back out of Ohio State, six feet, uh, excuse me, six feet, two, 13. 
Um, the other player that was there this season was Master Teague, um, who I actually think ended up, I'm not sure he actually ended up declaring, but um, I liked Sermon better out of the two anyway. Um, as a freshman, uh, 121 rushing attempts, five touchdowns, 744 yards. Um, by the way, we should probably mention too, he was at Oklahoma his first three seasons, um, 2018, 947 yards, 13 touchdowns, uh, just eight games in 2019, four rushing touchdowns, 385 yards, but that was still 7.13 yards per carry. Then makes his way over to Ohio state in eight games, 870 yards, Four rushing touchdowns, 7.5 yards per carry. Didn't have a season in his career with more than 16 receptions. Uh, 482 receiving yards on the career. Three receiving touchdowns. My thought on Sermon is that he might have the size. I'm hoping he comes in around 215, maybe shows some measurables. I'm not super excited about him, but I think there's potential. I don't know. Like The more we talk about these guys and look at them, the more I'm just sort of uh, of the opinion that we're seeing a whole bunch of guys behind Etienne and Harris who are going to end up doing kind of nothing in, yeah. in the NFL, you yeah. know, like, like may, like maybe Sermon does something like he, I could see him going in round three, round four, but I just, it, these guys look like a whole bunch of guys who are going to go at the end of day two and maybe the first half of day three. And that just doesn't excite me. Yeah. All right, that's fair. And, you know, that is the funny thing about this. I think in a lot of classes, I don't really care at all about Trey Sermon. It's just that in the context of this class, uh, it looks like there could be some potential there. Um, There's another... Oh, let's talk about Chuba Hubbard, Matt. Um, As I mentioned, he was a player that started off his career, like, you know, super impressive, has ridiculous speed, uh, but just did not put things together as his career closed. Um Again, to put things in perspective, he's also older, which is not great, uh, which you have to keep in mind. So he was 20, 19 and a half, actually, in his freshman season with 124 attempts, 740 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns. That is an RB dominator of 0.46. Also had 22 wrecks, 229 yards that season. As a sophomore at 20 and a half, 2,094 yards, 21 rushing touchdowns, a running back dominator of 0.86, added 23 wrecks for 198 receiving yards. Then, and and there's things that you can point to at um, in the Oklahoma State offense, you know, not a good offensive line, quarterback play, pretty shaky, 132 attempts, 623 yards, five touchdowns, 4.72 yards per carry, eight wrecks, 52 yards, a receiving touchdown. But, what concerns me here with a player like Hubbard is that drop off that you see from what you thought you were going to have in 2019 going into 2020 does concern me a little bit. And if you put everything together into this collegiate profile, um, it's kind of left lacking where you would have wanted him to be at had he just declared last year uh, and it seems like you definitely agree as you said you know it's pretty much harrison etn and then everybody else just kind of falls into this conglomerate that we don't really care about yeah i mean maybe hubbard re-emerges he certainly had the talent uh in his redshirt sophomore season with i mean the production that you mentioned and i think he's probably a better receiver than the numbers that we saw this year but still it wasn't like a horrible year this year it was just not anything close to what we saw 
a year previously. So I'm, I don't know, like I'm still interested in Hubbard, but we just, we just kind of have to wait and see with him. Yep. So I think that I've hit all of the, um, names of players that have like the highest, uh, projected draft capital so i want to pop in unless there's anybody that you think i forgot but i just want to pop into some of the names of players that i find intriguing let's start with ramondre stevenson out of oklahoma who was a lot more intriguing to me when it looked like he might be 246 pounds uh actually at the um oh my gosh why can't i think of of the name of it matt the senior bowl yes senior bowl 227 pounds 511 and a half, like I said, out of Oklahoma. Um, one of those guys that if you watch the film looks impressive because he is bigger. 8.05 yards per carry in 2019. 515 rushing yards, 6 rushing touchdowns, uh, 101 attempts in 2020. 664 rushing yards, 7 rushing touchdowns. Um, on his career, 28 receptions, 298 yards. This is not a robust profile at all. He's a player that probably um, in a lot of ranking sets would be lucky um, to get into the top 10. Maybe he's probably on the border. Uh, For me, like I said, there's not a very robust profile. I just think it's possible given the size that he has. If he were to test well, he might be an interesting player. Yeah, he's um, he's a guy I need to look at more because I believe he was a junior college player, and uh, we all know how much I love looking at junior college stats. Uh, <laughs> he, he was probably a beast in junior college, and that's how he got to Oklahoma, um, and then you know was a backup in his first year, and then in his second year at OU, uh, his senior season, he was actually pretty good. I mean, 876 scrimmage yards in six games, like that's a really good number and was a a good receiving back uh, in his limited sample there. So like that's encouraging for a guy to have 18 receptions in six games at, you know, almost 230 pounds. Um, I think he's going to be really slow. Um, You know, I mean, probably not like in the four sevens, but like in the four sixes, um, which puts him in, you know, like, I don't know, like Carlos Hyde type of territory or um, Jordan Howard type of territory as an athlete. So, you know, like there's nothing wrong with that, but like he's not going to be someone who is like big and fast. He's probably just going to be someone who's big. But um, with the receiving ability for a big guy, that's pretty good. Like I, I do think you are right to be interested in him. Yeah, and then just a quick note on there, as you talked about um, you know, players like Jordan Howard, one thing that you see sometimes with players, and I think that Stevenson could be one of these that falls into it, there are sort of cohorts of players that don't test particularly well, but they have something in common that actually does lend itself to um, actually being fairly successful at the NFL level. If that manifests, we'll talk about that a little bit more. Um, a player that I really like, who I mentioned earlier, is Javian Hawkins. In, uh, excuse me, Javian Hawkins out of Louisville. Um, I will say that I have a bias here, and that is because he absolutely crushes um, the breakaway rush score metric that I do each year for the site, which is one of the more predictive things you can look at for running backs. Um, I had to kind of tweak the formula this year 
given the fact that um, normally it's best to just look at raw totals, but with COVID impacting the number of games that players played, I had to kind of rework things around. Um, So it's a slightly different system this year, but Hawkins really crushed it. Um, He is, or he started his career um, without doing a whole lot, 2018, just two rushing attempts. 2019, um, finished the season at age 20.1, 264 rushing attempts, 1,525 yards, nine rushing touchdowns. As a receiver, I would like to see more production, only four receptions. Um, And then in 2020, Louisville played seven games, 133 attempts, 822 rushing yards, seven rushing touchdowns, 16 wrecks, 127 yards. Uh, dominator ratings, though, really high. Um, 2019.62, 2020.88. I don't know if I already said it, though. He is a smaller prospect, um, which does concern me. 5'9, 196. Um, you know, I would like to see him get closer to that 205, 206 type of range. I think that he's going to test well. I think he's agile. I think he's pretty fast. I will be honest that I'm also influenced by watching the film on him as it just looks like he has a lot of skills that could work well at the next level. Do I expect him to be a three down back? No, but I think that he's one of these players that could find some type of specialized role. And in a class where you don't have a lot of backs, that profile as players that are going to get a lot of opportunity right out of the gate. I think Hawkins could be one of these guys that somehow manages to string things together, kind of like a Naheem Hines. Maybe not in the exact same way, but one of these players that's easy easy to overlook but is skilled and teams might pick up on it. Um, I I agree in large part. Uh, when he was a recruit, I mean, he was only 167 pounds, but even then he ran a 4.36 40 time. So like he has significant speed. And like, I think that testing result probably made him the fastest back um, in his recruitment class. Yeah, he was, he was the fastest, like all around, like sort of like quote unquote athlete. Cause I think he was also kind of coming in as like a hybrid wide receiver running back type of player. Um, he certainly has the athleticism, but I fear he's going to be sort of typecast in this like supplementary role where even if he ends up being drafted, let's say like in the third round, the fourth round, he's not going to get the opportunity really to even come close to lead back usage. I think not even like normal change of pace usage um, because I don't, I don't believe that he's going to be 196 pounds. Like, given that he was 167 pounds as a recruit, I think it's likelier that he's in like the 180s than that he like comes close to 200. So I'm just a little bit skeptical with him, but he certainly has upside. Like he has the athleticism for sure. Right. And if he does come out and he's in the 180s, I'm probably going to be a lot less interested. The one thing I will hold on to hope though here is that uh, Tariq Cohen is 5'6", 179, athletic guy you know maybe hawkins can do the same type of thing uh that cohen did yep um any other names that you want to make sure we mention matt yeah kylan hill stands out to me yep and he had a really weird year um at mississippi state where he played three games and then opted out after that and he had only 15 carries in those games but he had 23 receptions which is just it's like 
what were they playing him at wide receiver? You know, like it, it was just, it's such a weird stat line. Uh, and so like you look in totality, he still had almost 300 yards in three games. Um, he's actually a pretty decent receiving back, at least based on what he did in this three game sample in 2020. And he was never much of a receiver before that, but you know, like you add in the receiving production from 2020 and kind of average it all together. Like it ends up looking pretty good, but um, you know, what he did in 2019 as the lead back at Mississippi state, um, you know, over 1,500 yards from scrimmage, double-digit touchdowns. He's an intriguing guy. Um, he's probably not going to be uh, highly drafted, like, but he's someone that I'm just kind of keeping in the back of my mind. Like, you know, the SEC backs who are productive and can also catch the ball, like, that just kind of intrigues me. So he's someone I'm keeping an eye on. And then uh, one more guy, although – we maybe shouldn't think of him as a running back, uh, but Demetric Felton, yep. um, who is kind of this wide receiver running back hybrid. Uh, I believe at the senior bowl, he played as a wide receiver. Uh, I think like apparently he looked pretty good in those drills. And I think that's how he's going to enter the NFL. And that sort of like Curtis Samuel type of role as a hybrid guy who plays more wide receiver than running back. But um, I mean, I think he, could be a running back if a team wanted to use him that way. Like he was the running back for UCLA uh, in his final season there. And he looked very good doing it. Obviously because he had played wide receiver before he has the pass catching capability. Um, but like he looked like he has the skills to be an actual lead back. Um, and, you know, he's a little bit on the smaller side, like 5'10", 200 pounds. Maybe he's actually not that big. Maybe he's a little bit bigger, but like that's that's roughly where he is. Um, but with his running ability and then the pass catching ability, like if a team decides to make him a running back, he will be someone who stands out to me. Yeah, I mean, I can see it with uh with both of those guys that you mentioned. They were, you know, Kylan Hill too. I don't know if we mentioned his size is five eleven, two fifteen. So that was that was interesting. Um, Felton definitely interesting as well. Three other players that you might be interested just to learn a little bit more about, but I will let people do that on their own. Puka Williams Jr., uh, 5'10", 170. It a really exciting player. Probably doesn't have the size, um, but. I, I enjoyed, you know, looking at some of his numbers, watching a little bit of the film. Um, Jarrett Patterson out of Buffalo, 126 yards per game on the career. And then Brandon Knox out of Marshall, 116 yards per game on the career. I should probably also mention too, Patterson, 1.6 touchdowns per game. Patterson was out of Buffalo. Knox out of Marshall. Williams Jr. out of Canvas. Other players that are kind of interesting. Unlikely, though, that they actually become players that were interested in in drafting any closing thoughts matt yeah just shooting from the hip based on this exercise and we're going to talk about wide receivers next week but my early lean on this is that um most of the time in rookie drafts i prefer to go with wide receivers early you know like those guys i think last longer they are a little more projectable uh, because they're not quite as dependent on landing spot but this year I think you have to go running back early because it's a pretty decent wide receiver class. Uh, and more importantly, I'm just like not inspired by many guys after ETN and Harris. So like if you have a shot to get one of those two guys, like you absolutely have to get them because there's no way you're getting any player close to their caliber in the second round. 
Yeah, I agree with that. Like you said, we'll talk about that more. Um, but there's a number of receivers that I like enough that I don't see myself taking, and actually an interesting tight end or two um, as well. So I don't see myself out of Harris or ETN taking a running back in the first round. Um, there's also a couple of players too that at wide receiver that I like more than the common drafter might. So I'd be happy about getting them um, as well in round one. But uh, we will talk more about that next week. In the meantime, that does it for today's episode. As always, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show. You can follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at MattFTheOracle. Send us an email at rotovizradio at gmail.com. And as always, remember, it's not a fantasy if you believe it. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.